everyone. This is Solon Literary Press. I'm your host, Riley Bounds, and this is the Solon Podcast, where we discuss and examine the intersection of the modern renaissances in evangelical literature, philosophy, and spiritual formation. And today I'm excited to have Angie Ward on the podcast. Angie Ward, the general editor for the Kingdom Conversations series, is a leadership author and teacher with nearly 30 years of experience in church, parachurch, and Christian higher education ministry. Angie is known for her genuine love for those in ministry, her down-to-earth style, and her unique ability to see and explain complex concepts and systems. Angie is an award-winning regular contributor to Christianity Today Leadership Publications and holds a PhD in ministry leadership from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. She currently serves as Assistant Director of the Doctor of Ministry Program at Denver Seminary. More information will be given in the show notes, including a link to pre-order the least of these if you want to find out more. So Angie, welcome, and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. It's so good to be here with you. All right. Well, uh, Tyndale was kind enough to reach out again to discuss uh, your new book, The Least of These, which is the third in the Kingdom Conversations series under NAV Press. So uh, what's the vision behind the uh, series and whole, and what's your hope for this uh, series? Yeah, so the Kingdom Conversations, this is, like you said, the third book. And um, I mean, as the the title of the series suggests, the goal is for each of the topics to try to foster conversation, uh, one, through the content of the books, uh, about whatever the book's topic is. Um, But also, like each book um, has 10 different contributors, so 10 chapters by different people, uh, giving kind of different perspectives. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the vision. But with the NAB Press being a discipleship publisher, we're really coming at these topics from a discipleship perspective. So not mm-hmm. necessarily, oh, you know, we did one on kingdom and country, not necessarily political or whatever. Like, what do you, should you believe? But how do these topics, how do we think about them as followers of Christ and how they impact our life as followers of Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, do you mind uh, giving the overview of some of the topics that you discuss and uh, in the least of these and some of the background on these contributors that we find in there. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, so, and each of the books in the series follows kind of a similar flow. First, so this one, though, first chapter is, is Who is My Neighbor? And that's um, written by Lisa Rodriguez-Watson. She's uh, the director, um, president, whatever her formal titles of Missio Alliance, and spent a lot of time in community, Christian community development work. And so she's getting us to go, uh, you know, people near and far to broaden our perspective, I guess, and our horizon of who is our neighbor. And then David Hianitas, who's a colleague of mine, teaches theology at Denver Seminary, where I work. Um, he, he explores this theology of the Imago Dei, or just this idea that we're created in the image of God and how transformative it is if we really do look at everyone through that lens of having mm-hmm. that image of God on them. Uh, the next one's pretty cool. It's a history of compassion. And that's by a, a guy named Ben Virgo. I first met Ben. He lives in London and he does Christian heritage tours where people, um, Christian or not, can go and just uh, have tours of historical tours of the religious heritage of London. And so he does mm-hmm. one about a history of how the people of God from London you know, and beyond have have for, for I mean, centuries, really millennia, been so influential in caring for the least, the lost, the marginalized, those people on the edges of society. Uh, and then uh, Dennis Edwards, he's a professor at North Park um, he, in Chicago. He talks about uh, how just our, 
the commands to not withhold good from others and how that theme is throughout scripture. And Brandon Washington, um, he's a pastor here in Denver, has written some um, books on or chapter on a book on urban um, theology. He talks about that um, caring for the least of these and the needs of others is a par- full part of the gospel of Jesus preached. The gospel is not just soteriological or salvation, but it is a very comprehensive gospel. Uh, and mm-hmm. then Jonathan Brooks, he's a pastor in Chicago, um, and I believe on the west side of Chicago, uh, Lawndale Community Church. And he talks about, for us to understand these needs and our neighbors, well, there needs to be proximity. So he writes about the power of proximity and gives some incredible stories about how um, just in his own neighborhood and ministry and other people, just just living among people and being close to them shapes your mind and your heart and your mm-hmm. focus. And then Dan, Daniel, uh, no, then Daniel Aaron Harris, he's a, a gentleman, he has uh, cerebral palsy. And so I heard him first at a conference. And um, so he talks about, uh, it comes from a uh, um, perspective of having cerebral palsy and a disability and wrestling with what role does he have and what role do people like that have in the church? Um, and uh, it's just a, such a powerful uh, story that he shares and about his own. He's actually was working on a doctorate in um, that type of uh, disability ministry and theology of disability, which is really cool. And then um, then we kind of turn the corner for, okay, what can we do about all this stuff? So Dan, Danielle Strickland um, talks about what can, what can we as individual believers do? And then the next chapter is Aubrey Sampson. Uh, she's in Chicago, talks about how the church and the gathered people of Christ need to be a of glad, not just hope, but glad hope um, mm. for the kingdom. And then Christiana Rice just ends with a beautiful, uh, uh, sort of a benedictory. So she talks about uh, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So keeping kind of our mind, uh, knowing that we live in a broken world, but that it's uh, God promises to wipe every tear and reminding us of that future hope, even in the midst of the brokenness around us. Mm. Yeah. And um, I especially appreciated uh, as Washington, uh, is that his last name? Uh, the urban pastor. Brandon Washington. Yeah. Brandon Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah his article uh, concerning the comprehensive gospel. Um, I, re- I really appreciated it because um I, I found I find like in evangelicalism today, there's this kind of what Willard, what Dallas Willard would call like uh, just as if I'd never sinned attitude. And then mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the extent of the entire gospel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's 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 not it. This is living in the kingdom right now. And there's a certain code of conduct that goes along with it. And I think Brandon yeah. really brings that to light very well. Yeah, he's so articulate. He just does a, such a good job. Um, but also convicted, you know, it's like, I, I mean, all these chapters, I read them and I, I, you know, I get the privilege of putting them all together, but, but I get a first look and I get the first conviction mm, <laughs> as right. the general yeah. editor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just from, from one editor to another, I, I'm on a much smaller scale, obviously, but um, getting to edit like Christian poetry and short stories and whatnot is kind of, um, it exposes me to what's on the forefront of Christian mm-hmm. art. Um, So as an editor yourself, like, do you uh, get to see kind of what's coming down the pike, you know, uh, in Christian academia or whatever, whatever you would say? Um, I do somewhat. Yeah. I mean, now these are more on the ground kind of discipleship focused, but then as my role at Denver Seminary, you know, I'm, I just got the university press or academic catalog today, you know, so 
Um, mm-hmm. And some of the stuff I'm like, oh, I'm glad that finally made it into print kind of thing. So, yeah. so I mean, it's great to see what's on the, the forefront. But um, like I said, it's also, I'm on the convicting conviction edge of things, yeah. you know? So, so I like get, to, and I get to wrestle, not re- like, I get to talk personally with the authors, you know, in the mm-hmm. process of this, which is really cool. And we bring them all together. Um, we try to find harmony, not necessarily um, unison, but like a harmony. And we, part of our process, which has been really fun for each of these books is when we get all 10 contributors together, we put them together, we bring them together in Zoom. And so they get to hear from mm-hmm. each other. And so there's a lot of cool kind of cross-pollination just even in the developmental phase. And so, you know, the book that you're holding in your hand, uh, it's fun to see how me knowing kind of, you know, you don't like what they say, people don't want to see sausages being made. Well, I was in with the sausage making and it, and it's fun to see what it actually turned into. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of bringing all those people together, like what they, they're very diverse, the people that, uh-huh. uh, that you brought in, um, you know, like, like Brandon Washington, he's an urban pastor. And then, uh, is it Ben Virgo? Is that his name? Ben? Yeah. Yeah. Brent. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then he's, he's over there in Britain giving tours. Yeah. And then, uh, the, uh, who was the one with cerebral palsy? I'm sorry. Uh, cerebral palsy is, um, uh, Daniel Aaron Harris. Yeah. He's in Memphis. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what kind of, what kind of unifies those voices in the book? Yeah, several things. I mean, one is the, around the topic of the book. So, you know, we kind of go, well, who are people, voices who are writing or speaking or having something to say, living this out on that topic? Um, and But but we're also looking for people who have that discipleship orientation first and foremost. Like they're, um, you know, Brandon's a pastor, uh, Brandon Washington, he's a, he's a pastor theologian, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and Daniel, uh, Daniel Harris, you know, he's, He's a, a, um, a man with a disability who's wrestling with that, you know, but they're all really first and foremost followers of Christ. Some of them are scholars and stuff as well, but like they really take this, these topics first from as a follower of Christ, inserting whatever expertise or experience or wisdom they have come up from their angle of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it is, um, it's great to see them like operating in their own element, you know, yeah. and not, not just, um, yeah. Parroting each other or something like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, ben, nobody could write Ben's Ben Virgo's chapter. I mean, he's Definitely. been giving tours off the top of his head, like for, for decades, you know, and Brandon, mm-hmm. they're just so uniquely postured and it's just, and we wanted a mix of, uh, you know, ethnicity, ministry kind of thing, a season of life, gender, just, you know, sexual, all the, all those things so that, um, it's just really a, um, it's a, I don't know, just a good blend. It's a good soup yeah. we come up with, I think. Definitely. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, well, uh, the book largely deals with how we as Christians are supposed to interact with those who are on the margins of society. Mm-hmm. So a good question then to start would be, uh, how did Jesus interact with those who are on the margins and what can we learn from that example? Yeah. Well, first thing he, he noticed them, you know, they mm. like the, to, in society, they're, we call them marginalized for a reason because we tend to not notice them. You know, we, um, in fact, our, at our church last night, my pastor was, we have a Sunday evening church and, and she was preaching about just help us to see, first of all, you know? And so, mm-hmm. and then he didn't, um, he saw their heart. He saw them as image bearers, you know, of, of the father. Um, he tra- treated them with dignity with respect, they all had something to contribute in his eyes, you know, it's just, it's just, 
you know, the, the kingdom and, and Jesus' perspective is just so upside down from what we are, you know, prone to do and what our society and culture tends to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, another, another question then would be like, why does God put a lot of emphasis on how we treat others? Well, one, um, I mean, I think the more obvious thing is because it's how we like how others should be treated. Um, And so um, it's the effect on the other person. But really, the deeper, I think, and just as important is the effect it has on us um, and and our own formation and becoming like Christ and having a to, to, um, you know, like see as Jesus saw and love as Jesus loved and and act as Jesus did. And so it's a um, yes, I I think when you look at that lens, then yes, you're taking, you're meeting needs and you're meeting people, but it's really, um, it, it's transforming you uh, in a mm-hmm. way, you know, because because ultimately God wants us more than what we can do for him or how we help someone. I mean, those all things are are certainly necessary and good and meeting other people's needs, but there is a heart transformation and posture shift that happens when we do that. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not just one side. It's not just for them. It's also. No, not at all. Yeah. And that's, you know, we tend to sometimes think, uh, well, I can help these people. And you hear people that, you know, they go, these people, I learned way more, you know, kind of thing. And they're often surprised about, and we shouldn't be surprised because that's, that's Mm. how it works. Right. Definitely. Well, um, one one of the way, one of the um, topics in the book that speaks to, uh, you know, how we interact with the people on the margins is dismantling the barriers between us and them. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some ways to dismantle those barriers? Uh, and and maybe maybe another question that goes with that would be, what are the barriers themselves? Yeah, um, so um, uh, first thing, so dismantling barriers. I think that chapter that Jonathan Brooks passed to Jay is what he goes by um, mm-hmm. about the power of proximity. I mean, we just, I know it's very easy for me to live a very isolated life. I mean, I go to, I go to work in my seminary bubble, you know, it's just, you know, there's, I'm doing good work, but it's, but like I was talking to a colleague here who works with our um, uh, Hispanic initiatives. And I said, how can I learn, you know, more? I was just, uh, I just realized how much I don't know and don't understand. He's working with, you know, uh, refugee populations and second, third generation Hispanic leaders in the city. And he said, come with me and serve tables. You know, and so I think just one of the biggest ways is to, first of all, for us to be willing to get close. I mean, I think it's easy for us to to send money or to put something on Facebook. Um, but like, you know, we just had um, MLK Day a month ago, and I had a lot of people posting things about Martin Luther King and how great he was. And, and a lot of us, a lot of them, there's no change in their actual life that day or the rest of their life, you know, and... And so it really needs to be something uh, born that there's an action to it in a relationship. What was your second part of what are the barriers themselves? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think, I think that lack of proximity, I think we it can be so stratified or segmented and um, partly it's just, that's how the world is structured. And so it's hard to go beyond those boundaries and those borders. Like we have to, in, there has to be an intentionality to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I and so I think um, a lack of awareness rooted in a lack of intentionality can be a big one. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we're just becoming more and more polarized. So it's easier and easier to just be in our tribe um, mm-hmm. and, and not realize, like, this is part of, this is a, like Jesus command. I mean, caring for the least of these, you know, we're, this, we're showing care for Jesus and modeling his heart. And I think we just make, we, I don't think we make that connection. When I drive home and, and I see a person panhandling on, a, on an island at a stoplight, I don't think about that. I just think I want to get home and I don't, you know, maybe I have something to do this guy or not, you know, rarely do I look at someone and go, that's why I think the image of God um, chapter is so good. Rarely do I look at at that person and go, like really sit for a second and go, that person is, bears God's image. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, that could, that could partially answer the next question, but why do you think the Christians are commanded to never turn a blind eye from those who we who are ostracized or on the margins yeah i think I, you know i think we have kind of talked about it. one i mean because there's needs on the margins i think there's three things two because of how um uh it shapes us and three because i think of how it affects our relationship with with god and that that it's uh you know the very famous um saint benedict rule of saint benedict is like welcoming each, each guest as if they were jesus christ you know mm-hmm. and and so making that connection, I think, is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And you've already discussed one practical way to help these people, which is obviously just to talk to them. But um, what, are, what are some other ways that we can um, just become closer to these people and learn how to help them? Yeah. You know, in the opening, the introductory chapter, I, I or introduction, um, I talk about how I live in an uh, urban neighborhood near university and just like in a one or two mile walk, I see so many needs around me. And I was talking with my husband, uh, you know, we see homeless, we see mentally ill, we see single moms picketing for a better wage. We see people at the bus stop, you know, and they, mm-hmm. and people who go home to, you know, food insecurity or whatever. And so, and so my husband and I were going like, what we, you know, we could send our money to global ministries and whatever. And we're going like, how can we get more connected locally? Like really just see that. And one of the things that we actually have settled, uh, realized for us works, um, you know, there and, and actually in our particular several mile area, because there's a university there, there's a lot of people who work for the university, but there's not the resources to support those people. And so for us, the one of the ways we found is to contact the local public school. We have a private university bias, but but like the public schools are like have on the ground connections with families and parents. And um, we've tried to figure out like, are there homeless shelters or food? You know, what are the things that we can not just give to, but possibly actually, you know, get involved with and get Mm -hmm. face to face. And even looking at like our church, uh, we're in a different urban neighborhood in Denver, our churches. And so what does it mean for us to not just, um, go to church in our neighbor, that neighborhood on Sunday nights, but to really minister to the people within that neighborhood too. And not just for them to come to our church. So just other focused in more creative ways than just, it's easy to write a check. I mean, I mean, it costs something, but, but it's not the same way as proximity. No, it's it's not as um, powerful interpersonally. I don't think, Um, but I I find that, you know, we, we all know kind of what we need to do. Um, and the matter is just kind of getting past the, you know, the raw, 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 let's go do it to actually like getting out there and, and doing it. Um, yeah. 
And for a lot of us, it's because we're, we're scared. I mean, I, I know for me, I, yeah. um, there, there's always an element of danger or, or perceived danger to doing, to doing stuff like this, not just physically, but a fear of embarrassment or a fear of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. otherness or something like that. Um, so is there any way that you can kind of like temper that or learn to cope with that feeling? That's a great question. Um, I think taking some risks, I mean, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's certainly easier for me to go, well, that's, it's inconvenient or it's a bother. I'm afraid. I just, it's like, just, just do it. I mean, so yeah. is there a way, you know, it's like, and I think we're unintentionally saying we have a pretty small view of God and his protection mm-hmm. and his, inclusion and safety and all that and um yeah so i was i was on one of these walks and i saw in kind of an alcove of kind of an entry to a church like a side door there was a looked like looked to be uh an unhoused dad uh and a couple of kids and they were just in sleeping bags with a grocery cart full of their stuff you know and i could you know this one time uh you know i walked by and i and i thought um, I just very moved by it. normally I just kind of don't talk to me, you know, kind of thing. I, it's amazing how, how selfish and self-protective I am. I mean, I'm full confession right here on your show, you know, and, but it, I could, it wouldn't let me go, you know? And so I, so, um, walked home, uh, not too much farther and, and asked my husband, like, what, what can we, you know? And then there's like, well, is he dangerous? Is are there's other drugs, all these things. And um, we ended up just getting a grocery gift card because I was right on down the road from a grocery store, you know, and said mm-hmm. here, you know, and that was it. Now, that wasn't a long term proximity kind of thing, but but we just listening to the spirit and acting on it. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it is tuning our ear to the Holy Spirit, to being to seeing, being sensitive, not just going, I see that boy, that's so sad for that person, but like seeing with a way that we develop a heart for it seeing with our hearts not just our eyes yeah and my my last guest kenny luck had had spoken to um how we how we interpret the holy spirit and he 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 says some of the effect of like if you if you get the the notion to go over and hand a homeless person a five dollar bill or something it's probably from god because that would benefit them spiritually emotionally physically so yeah. I mean, it really, it really is just kind of as simple as that. Not just waiting yeah. for like an auditory, an an audible voice to be like, you know, um, Angie, go over to you know the the West Side and give so on. So right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some friends who I think they practiced they practice preparation really well. So I've got a friend uh, from a former church in the Midwest that we served at. He would always carry a fifty dollar bill in his pocket just in case he saw someone who needed. Mm-hmm. you know and i know people who and, and we're not we're talking about you know particularly kind of uh and house and stuff right now, but there's but there's so many other ways you know are we are we ready so when we like there's a posture of kind of obedience and also a posture of kind of preparedness for yeah. it and so like are we ready when we see a need that that we like when the holy spirit like you're, like he said kenny likes it like we will go yep i'm gonna do it mm-hmm. right and i, I think that like in our digital age today, and I don't mean to get into a whole, you know, can of worms here, but um, in the digital age, because we're so um, isolated in a way, because the algorithm is having to conform to our interests, it really 
hurts our ability to see the needs of others and to see that they're not living the same lives as we are and therefore we we lack a lot of sympathy and that's something i think definitely to push back on and the holy spirit can help us grow in that with stuff like you're talking about you know like carrying a 50 dollar bill for those who need stuff stuff like that yeah. Yeah. I was talking with, uh, we had some friends over for dinner over the weekend and she is a teacher. It's an online school, but for students who are from very educationally, uh, there's a term for it, uh, under-resourced. I mean, families, you know, just, um, I think she even called it almost like educational malpractice. Like these, like she said, one of these students was their, their, uh, their, I think middle school, her, this, this girl, her dad is a trucker, like, you know, over the road trucking. Um, and she would stay in the cab in that back berth kind of thing and had to do school as, as well as she could, you know, online. And I just told, I, I said, yeah, I just, I just assumed everyone had the same upbringing as me, you know, or the same access to mm-hmm. resources, you know? And so I think that's another part is not just seeing the needs, but being willing to hear really hear the stories and the experience and to not impose mine and my assumptions on top of someone. Um, I think that's been a growing edge for me, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and really listening is, is definitely a skill. It's not just something that comes naturally. So, and it's not always listening to problems. I mean, sometimes there's that, but, but um, really just listening for, God cracking open our hearts to deeper understanding yeah. and love, I think. So Yeah, and I've heard it a few times. Um, like Jesus healing the person at the uh, at the well. Uh, not not at the well. Um he he healed the lame man. Yeah, uh, but they carried him in, you mean that right, one? Right, yeah. Yeah. And and the, well the first thing that he, the that Jesus asked him was, Do you want to be healed? And the, yeah. and the man s- didn't say yes immediately. He actually said they they won't carry me to the water uh, that was just supposed to be healing. Mm. This is uh, this is the Bethesda, yeah the pool of Bethesda. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Jesus was such a great psychological mind. He knew that this that this man wanted to uh, not not just be healed, but also be heard and seen and and you know yes. sympathized with. So yes, yeah, yes. It's, so it's the, not just the physical yeah. need; it's also the spiritual. Yeah. 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 And just seeing seeing their their heart and their yeah that that yeah. imago day you know it, it always has struck me um when when they t- when there's like an, a plane crash or some sort of disaster or like a, or a ship kind of thing and like the titanic they talk about you know 110 souls like that's how they describe it and i, I don't i rarely look at people as souls yeah I yeah. really go okay that was a soul that wasn't just i mean yeah it was a person a family. like that's a i don't know to me thinking about it in that way brings it deeper for me i don't know yeah no it, it is it is a good uh observation um and you know a little bit more on this like uh what can we learn from those that we we see as less fortunate than ourselves but who actually hold the keys to the kingdom of god and and um what, what does that even mean to hold the keys to the kingdom of god yeah that's a great question um so, you know, I think, again, in our, in our um, you know, upside down, uh, you know, kind of economy and, and culture from, from Jesus, you know, he's talking about how much we can learn from the least of these, not just we're in the position of power to, to help them, but 
but mm-hmm. how, you know, and the, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, how much like that the, we have, we have to learn from that. And so, you know, I talking to Daniel Aaron Harris, uh, uh, with his uh, cerebral palsy, you know, he was, he was talking about how, how powerful it was for him. He, um, like, um, did God make a mistake? And then he was talking about when he ta- when he read, read in the Bible that Jesus was broken, body was broken for for him. He went, Jesus became like me. My mm-hmm. body is broken. He became like me. And right. you know, to, and to then for me to hear this man, you know, talking about just the richness of that perspective. I mean. There was a glimpse of the kingdom there, you know, of who Jesus really is and this whole upside down crazy economy that, that for me, just, I mean, that's the most compelling. But I just think the gospel of the kingdom is just so compelling, you know, so upside down. Right. And, and no wonder people just went like follow Jesus and went and also got mad, but went, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and there are so many analogs that um, Jesus bore that are so much like our own suffering, you know, like obviously the physical side, like with uh, uh, Harris there, um, but also with, you know, those who uh, are unmarried or something like that, the pain of, of, you know, right. not having a loved one. He, he didn't never had a wife and um, you know, the, the spiritual separation that we feel from God sometimes when he was abandoned on the cross, you know, during when this weight of the world's sin was on him. Um so yeah, it's it's so foreign to the rest of the uh, world religions for something like that to to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's so special yeah. about Christianity. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I just think you know um, we I like our pastor was saying last night just just those eyes to see having you know Jesus uh, a preacher someone said looking at the world through Jesus colored glasses. <laughs> right. Yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, lastly here, Angie, um, what is the message that you hope from this book specifically, not just the series in general, is going to resonate most with uh, your readers? Yeah, I think um, we, uh, the, we, the, our neighbors are all around us, uh, are closer than we think. I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive because my neighbors are next door person, but <laughs> not just the friend that I like talking to, you know, but like, that are, and and we we can't do we cannot uh, do nothing. Mm-hmm. Too much is at stake. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Angie. This has given us a lot to think about and a lot to pray about. So um, I'll be praying yeah. for the release of this book and uh, this that uh, does well. It reaches the right hands and that uh, it affects it affects the change that we need to. That we yeah. Need to so. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Angie. And thank you for listening.